The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Michael Gossett. Hi, Father Michael. Hi, Dom. It's good to be here. And Thomas Anherode. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Good. So we're the experts on technology, which is why we're doing this twice. Uh, <laughs> we've recorded half of this episode. I realized that the, the start button on my end didn't go, and so we're restarting our conversation. Uh, I'm sure it'll be even better the second time around now that we've rehearsed. Uh, before we get started, folks, uh, just be real with you folks, uh, I want to uh, recommend to you um, this episode has come out on uh, Thursday, and if you go to uh, the sqpn.com slash secrets, to see the Secrets of Movies and TV Shows podcast, you'll find the three of us have done a podcast about that classic 2002 Steven Spielberg Tom Cruise movie, uh, Minority Report, which is a lot about technology and free will and authoritarian governments and things like that. Uh, and it, it, you probably, if you enjoy this podcast, you're probably going to enjoy that. So I'm going to recommend you go check that out and and see what see what that's about and and then check out some of the other episodes. Uh, we've we've talked a lot about uh, Jurassic Park and some other uh, some other stuff like that. So uh, you, you'll you'll find some stuff you'll enjoy there. So our first topic is about uh, the impersonal impersonality. I'm not sure that's a word, but uh, about tech being impersonal in times when it should not be. Uh, there and what I mean is, there's a story about this guy in California, this poor uh, man who was—he's uh, an older man, a grandfather who was ailing. He was in the ICU at a hospital, and uh, the doctor was coming around to make rounds uh, via—they call it a robot, but it's—it's it's basically a like a, a Skype or FaceTime camera on wheels that that moves around, and the doctor talks to people through a video screen, and. He gave the man and his family the bad news that he was going to die via this screen on this robot. And a lot of people have have said, you know, technology, medical technology, remote telepresence medicine is great, but this is going too far. And uh, so what do you guys think about this story about this this poor man getting this this news and his family getting this news uh, that he's about to die? via a screen um whether it's on a robot or not i th i think it's really kind of that's that's sort of the sensational part but but not by someone in person is is something lost by not having that human presence right there what do you think thomas yeah i think i think it's um it's an interesting situation because uh, i could see this being the norm and not being a big deal but it needs to be the norm before it's not a big deal uh, so, you know, the, the doctor needs to be present in a lot of other teleconferences with the with the patient before uh, he can deliver a piece of news like this just via a screen. And, you know, to, to be fair, I can see the doctor, you know, I can see the, the point of the doctor doing this, like maybe he's the specialist and uh, he needs to deliver the message and, uh, and they're going to have some back and forth conversation that wouldn't be appropriate for another doctor uh, that is present or for a nurse to deliver. And uh, it's important for the patient to be able to ask those questions. But at the same time, it might be just as important for the doctor to be physically there. It, it makes me wonder, you know, how long before it was appropriate for or acceptable for a doctor to deliver bad news via telephone or, or if that's even OK yet. I mean, is it OK for a doctor to, to if it was by phone, if he called and said, hey, you know, I have some bad news, your your um, disease has advanced to such a point where your your prognosis is not good and you're going to die within weeks is i'm not even sure that's even news you can deliver via telephone yet never mind via you know a computer screen so i'm curious whether that's that's even acceptable that te technology is acceptable uh father michael your you know your ministry would going in go you go into hospitals and give people anointing and that sort of thing like that can't be done by a screen either right <laughs> it cannot no and uh i think that's uh, what Tom mentioned was the uh, 
relationship is a big part of it that um if this guy had seen this doctor via FaceTime or Skype on a robot a few times, this wouldn't be such a shocking thing. But uh, for this very sudden news to come to him, and just looking at the image of uh, this technology, it's weird. It's kind of funny looking. Uh, to put it into a serious situation like that could be hard. I just, like like you said, I can't imagine even visiting a, a parishioner in the hospital this way because they want you there. And just that human presence is a really significant part of comforting someone. And even for a doctor whose job is to, you know, just heal them physically, that whole bedside manner of, of really being with them, being in the room with them, it's a huge part of it. And until this is normal, uh, I think they just have to walk very carefully on how these sort of things are deployed. You know, one of the things it says uh, is that because this this elderly man had trouble hearing the doctor through the speaker, they had to keep repeating it, which makes it just that much worse. Like, oh gosh. you're going to die. Die. Yeah. You're yeah. dying. Like, I mean, could you imagine the the horror for the family? The daughter had to keep repeating everything the doctor was saying. Uh, I mean, it's just an awkward, unfortunate, difficult situation um, made difficult, more difficult by, by you know, putting this barrier between human beings. Um, I, I get like I get why te- telepresence medicine is good. If if this guy was living in the middle of the country, you know, he doesn't it, you know, where, where he's thousands of miles from the closest high quality hospital, you know, where these guys are. Telepresence medicine can be really useful that way. And robotic surgery is something that's coming. I mean, these sorts of things are, are can be positive goods, but they have to be done in such a way so as not to remove that human element that is necessary uh, because technology when used well helps human beings connect with each other. And when used poorly, it dehumanizes our relationships. And I, I think that this is a fine example of that. Um, so uh, <laughs> this was a, this was a, a technology fail and hopefully they'll learn something about it. Uh, I do want to mention that the, uh, the gentleman, uh, his name is Ernest Quintana. He, he died soon after this happened. And so uh, I think it would be appropriate if uh, we all remember him and his family uh, in our prayers. Uh, that would be that would be appropriate. So uh, so let's go into our second topic, uh, which uh, we're talking about Facebook again. Facebook is at it again. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the the, the head of uh, Facebook, the founder, uh, had a post. I almost said a blog post, but he, it's Facebook. It's a Facebook post <laughs> uh, where he. He unveiled that the future of Facebook is in private messaging, uh, encrypted uh, messaging, which kind of reveals that right now Facebook is is anything but about privacy. And uh, so he, he one of the things he says is that the future of face Messenger and WhatsApp, uh, because Facebook owns both of those, plus Instagram, he, he sees that Messenger and WhatsApp will become the main ways that people communicate on the Facebook network. Uh, I think what he means there is is not that people won't use Facebook newsfeed the way they are, but that he thinks mo- people will use Facebook for messaging more than for anything else. Um, do, do you guys are you guys uh, ever going to trust Facebook to to have private messaging? Really, <laughs> <laughs> it's just I I don't get this as his reaction to I just don't understand it as a direction for the company. People use Facebook because it's Facebook. And uh, what like if you're if you need a, a messaging service, there's a lot of them out there with going without going right to Facebook, I think. Yeah. Like one of the things he says is that people are more cautious of having a permanent record of what they've shared. So communications will increasingly shift to private encrypted services. And I, and I, I just don't I mean, I, maybe my circle of friends is different, but I know a lot of people who want to communicate widely. They use Facebook as a platform. Right. Um, there are some things you only want to say to a few people. And I and mm-hmm. I am often careful, I mean, given that I'm a semi-public person with my podcasting and that sort of thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm somewhat careful with talking about more controversial things, <laughs> politics especially, <laughs> you know, uh, online, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in public. I, I Maybe sometimes I'll, I'll do that in a in a uh, private, you know, a limited group of, of people. But I, I just don't see that that's I don't. I don't see that this is what people are are, are wanting in a big way uh, to not to, to not to close down the circle 
of people they communicate with. I think people want a bigger right. circle. Well, it's interesting though. I, I'm I'm wondering where they get these statistics from. I'm wondering where they're, they're very analytics driven at Facebook and always have been. And so, uh, it's intriguing to me that that that's what they've come up with as their their uh move going forward. And um, you know, I, I think it's telling that WhatsApp is being mentioned as much as it is in this because, uh, you know, WhatsApp is an international model uh, most other countries you'll hear more about whatsapp than you will about facebook or about um, any of the messaging services we use here because it's more popular internationally so this might be uh an example of facebook's push out of the u.s and more to a, a mm. broader international audience you know if i'm a if i'm someone who lives in a area where there's an oppressive regime where i'm afraid uh, you know, right now I'm not afraid of my government. <laughs> Sometimes mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wary or cautious about it, but I'm not uh, at this point. I'm not worried they're coming to kick my door in and drag me off. There are people who live in those situations and they need to be able to communicate with other people in a way that they, they can be sure that their government, whether it's China or Iran or Venezuela or one of these places, isn't coming to take them away for bad think. Uh, they need they need a, a private platform, privacy platform for communications that they can trust. And I don't see anyone ever trusting WhatsApp or Instagram or Facebook Messenger to that level. Uh, there are options out there, um, whether it's, I mean, Apple's Messages app is is end-to-end -end encrypted. Apple doesn't, does, the keys are in Apple's servers, so it's not as secure as some other things, but it's much more secure than Messenger. But if you want to be secure, there's... Um, it's uh there there are two there are a couple of services one is Telegram one is Signal I forget which one of those one of them it's a little iffy because uh this they're not sure whether the uh, Russian government has a backdoor into it and I'm trying to remember <laughs> off the top of my head I think that's Telegram because I'm using Signal right now and um Signal I know is uh is not is not externally controlled and they're very careful about the keys being uh, truly end to end. Right. Um, yeah, that's yeah, you're right. That's it. Yeah, the the um Telegram was uh built by a Russian expat who had certain things taken from him by the Russian government. Uh so yeah, that's um th there are in fact people who are uh some uh, activists who are trying to block Telegram in Russia so that it can't be uh used there, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting um, uh, a little bit of a battle between the, the little guy and the big guy, but there, but there are ways to be more secure out there. And like signal is one of them. I just don't see people trusting Facebook in the same way because they'll never be as open. Uh, they'll never be as open. And, yeah, and that's the no. thing is like, uh, you, you can go signal signal has open audits. They don't do them as often as I would like, but they do have open audits where they've had security experts come in and check where everything is and make sure that there's nothing lingering around on their, uh, on their servers. And I just I can never see Facebook doing something like that. that would be incredible. <laughs> there would, you know, be, it would be, so... be a huge <laughs> shift for the company. Like it, right. would, it would be a really amazing shift. Well, and so much of their uh, their business model depends on being able to see what we're doing uh, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. advertise to us based on that. Uh, and so it, it seems against the interests that they've built up for themselves. Uh, one of the things they've talked about is creating a you know a a. a 24 hour uh burn your private messages aspect which is sort of like what snapchat has and so it, between that and say what they already got with like instagram stories and facebook stories they really seem to be going after snapchat's business model right mm -hmm. yeah that's the first thing i thought when i saw this was like oh they look like they're uh like they're gunning for snapchat really hard now and <laughs> i you know i don't understand snapchat i i i will be the first to admit that i am not in that generational range to really get snapchat but it it's been pretty popular and um you know it's it's something that a lot of people flock to because of the assumed uh privacy of having the message deleted and uh because of the the nature of the platform of just being able to create short snippets that they could share and like you said facebook's taking some of those already but Right. Uh, it's interesting to see him go for the last little bit of Snapchat's uniqueness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your your distinctiveness and uni and uniqueness will be added to our own. <laughs> and I don't I don't see high school students or college students migrating to Facebook from Snapchat <laughs> because because of that. They they found the thing that works for them. Now they've um, already moved on to TikTok, man. They're gone. <laughs> yes. They're not even on Snapchat anymore. <laughs> yeah.
Well, and that's that's the, the thing is the Snapchat itself is already in decline. So much of you know, Facebook has taken some of what they had. I mean, one of the reasons why Facebook bought Instagram was to was to kind of combat you know to kind of cover the back door that Snapchat was was coming in, and so many of the kids who left Facebook ended up at Instagram for a while. And like you said, right. now they're moving to something else. And that's that's one of the things about social media that's got to scare people like Zuckerberg and, and other people at Facebook is how how fickle the social media consumer is at a certain level. People like us, older, we kind of just get set. But that mm-hmm. younger demographic that everybody really wants in their back pocket it will just drop an app and move to the next thing at the drop of a hat. It's just, it, right. it's, it's, it's so ephemeral. So what I think what he's trying to do here is trying to, his idea is expand who we are to kind of cover those bases more and more um, and, and offer more. Uh, so one of the things that they, that they, he mentions is, is that perhaps Facebook would uh, fund this private messaging system since they can't make money off of mining your data in your private messages anymore if it's if it's encrypted is you, they'd have to make money somehow so they might create a a facebook crypto coin like a a, a face coin <laughs> please no <laughs> uh, right. i think could you be more of like evil corp from mr robot <laughs> i mean this is this is going full mr robot here i i just can't imagine Anyone thinking this, thinking that putting your your wealth in Facebook's hands is a good idea. If if it's an investment, some people are willing to make it though. That's and that's the crazy thing. Like the bitcoins, uh, Bitcoin concept has always been really interesting to me because the blockchain is uh, basically just investing in security. That's all it is. Is is just we I'm dumping money into the fact that that we're going to make this thing more secure and. Um, you know, I, I can see I can see a realm where people are like, oh, Facebook is reliable where Bitcoin hasn't been. You know, Bitcoin has been a very volatile system and sometimes you're up, sometimes you're way down mm-hmm. uh, and it just kind of depends on the market. Whereas Facebook would have a little more staying power, It'd be like a Johnson and Johnson type of stock. You know, it's going to be around for a while. You know, it's going to be pretty solid. Uh, it, you might have a lot of people that invest in it. Bitcoin strength is also its weakness, which is it, because it's completely independent of any authority. Um, it's volatile, and right. you and if you lose your key, you're done. Your your wealth is gone. Um, right. And we've had stories of people losing millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin stolen or just lost, even. Uh, so, th- whereas if you have a, a regulating authority, you know, or a controlling authority, like say Facebook might be. You lose that you don't have as much of that volatility, perhaps, and you have a little bit more of the security of not losing your key. But someone has, you know, has an insight into your way that you do your financial transactions. I'm I would never be comfortable with with that bit, but uh, no. <laughs> I'm with it's you. <laughs> it's reminding me, and I can't remember the name of the app. I think it's I don't know if it's in China. It's somewhere. Uh, in that area, but there's an app that a lot of people use that we don't use here at all, but they use it for financial transaction. That it's like like an app they use for everything, and I can't the name escapes me. But I could see Facebook kind of reaching for a similar thing. It's kind of like Apple Pay and all these things, like, but all, like Venmo and uh, yeah, Zelle. It's rolled into one. Yeah, yeah. With messaging and and money, and I could see that that could be successful in a worldwide way, right. even if it isn't here. Yeah, right. Because I mean. <sighs> Again, outside of the U.S., there is that need for you know portability of money and be a little bit outside the system. Some people you know want to have a little bit. I mean, already criminal enterprises are using things like Bitcoin and other stuff to move cash or you know outside of the banking system. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a big there's a big um, incentive. It is sort of outside what our our main topic is, but we ought to have uh, we ought to bring someone in to talk about Bitcoin at some point because. I'm I'm no expert, but I'd love to to, to figure yeah. to learn more about it. Um, I have an old uh, college uh, classmate who is working for a company that's they're doing the first major transaction uh, via the blockchain of like a real estate transaction of multiple cool. buildings via a blockchain. I'm not sure exactly how all well the moving pieces work, but it would be interesting to find out how that is. Maybe we could talk about that in the future. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Love to hear about that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So one aspect of this that is um, 
sort of related is, um, and it's it's topical. It's, it's the some politicians are talking about it, and I don't know if you want to get into the politics of it, but is Facebook too powerful? Sh- should it be this talk of either regulating it or breaking it up? Um, should one for-profit company have a database of nearly every, well, virtually every person in the country in all their relationships and everything going on in their lives? One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is even if you don't have a Facebook profile or account, Facebook has, they've denied it, but but people have shown evidence of it. The Facebook has a what's called a shadow profile of you based on all the people in your life who have data about you and are on Facebook. So someone, you know, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a family member or employer or somebody, and all their information, there's enough information that they share that Facebook knows who you are and, and enough about you to have a sort of profile of you. And it's kind of scary to think of how much data they have. And in fact, a lot of these companies have to dial back the things they do with it in order not to scare people too much about, you know, when you when you just crunch the numbers and run few algorithms, what you can learn about people. Uh, so is Facebook getting too powerful? Is, is Should we be worried about Facebook? Um, we keep coming back to this topic and we'll <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But I mean, just what yeah. do you think? Uh, I had a a, sca- a couple weird occurrences where someone I'd never met before and I talked to, spent time with, and then they were suggested as a possible friend for me that that evening. Mm-hmm. It sort of, that sort of puts the, that in my head, like there is something that's beyond us. But the problem is, I think, is that we we so eagerly fed it that <laughs> right. that, that date is there right. and all those pictures and everything because we poured them in over these past several years. And right. uh, uh, yeah, it is a, a really frightening prospect of that, whether you like it or not, you're in there. Yeah. Well, I think some of it's a combination of things, too, that uh, Facebook is definitely powerful. Yes. But um, I, I saw a great report and I'll, I'll try and find a link for you guys uh, for this. You can put it in the show notes uh, about using metadata about the uh, men who were part of the revolution of the United States. And it, it just took surface level information. So clubs that these men belonged to. And it took that information and then attached several of them together and figured out that if they could uh, could attack several key people and lock them up before anything happened, that they could stop the revolution. And like the main name that it came down to was Paul Revere. That was the the like the circled name. This is the one. If we grab this guy, mm-hmm. we can stop a lot of the, the things that are going to happen. And and then from there, it had all the signers of the declaration uh, were the next in the list. And so uh, and that, that was data that was freely available then as well. And so I think there's a history of us having information out there about ourselves. It's just that we've moved as a society and as a as a as a race into this realm of being able to have that data and actually do something. Right. And, and crunching the numbers. Yeah. Right. Crunching numbers. And that's it. And that's it is that computers do that. That's what computers are really, really good at. And so, uh, you know, We've created this monster, but Facebook isn't really the monster. It's just all of the tech that we have Skynet. that's capable of doing this math. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and, and eventually it's going to get there. That's the, the once the robots can, um, they will be able to look at all this stuff, and they'll, they're they're going to do it. <laughs> well, one of my favorite stories in this regard, and it's not Facebook. It's not really Facebook related, but it's related to big data. Is um, year, several years ago, this guy um, got this mailer from Target in the mail to his teenage daughter, and the mailer was for prenatal uh, vitamins, a sale on prenatal vitamins, and for other baby care stuff. And he was outraged. How dare you send this information to my daughter, who's a, who's a teenager, uh, uh, assuming that she's, like, she's a pregnant with a child, and, and he comes to find out she actually was. And, and the way they knew was because they, their data shows that women who buy certain things not like buy diapers or, you know, uh, things actually related to pregnancy, but women who buy like, you know, um, this clean cleanser and this kind of shoe are statistically more likely to be pregnant. I, I don't think it was cleanser and a shoe, but it was things that just seemed completely unrelated. But there was a, such a high correlation to being pregnant that they that it was worthwhile for them to send them a book of coupons 
for pregnancy-related materials. And once the story got out, people were freaking out. So Target had to change what they did, which is now the mailers uh, offer all kinds of things, but hidden within it are all the pregnancy and uh, maternal-related things <laughs> that they really are wanting, trying to sell. I mean, there's the, it's, it's fascinating and kind of scary a little bit how, you know, again, with, the, with this computing power, how they can crunch the numbers. And like you said, Thomas, you know, if the British had 10,000 mathematicians <laughs> working <laughs> all together, <laughs> they could have done it too 200 years ago. It's just the scale that we can operate on now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things why I think these proposals to break up the Googles and the Apples and the Facebooks and whatnot, I, I don't know that's a, that's a solution. I mean, it fixes the, the, the short term, these companies, but what does it do about other companies or or nation states or right. whatever it, it, i think it's a symptom that's that's if you're talking about breaking up facebook you're talking about treating a symptom not uh and and i don't know that it's a problem that's that's the thing is that it's really hard to say that this amount of computing power and this amount of ability to i mean to to figure out that a woman's pregnant just by the things she's buying in the store that's creepy on one end, but it's also it could be life saving well, on another end. Yeah, you if know? you're a pregnant woman, it's incredibly useful. <laughs> if right, you're, if you're actually right. looking for that sort of thing, or or if we're looking for data like for people that are in danger of having a heart attack, and you can say, oh well, people who, statistically speaking, people who do these three things are more likely to have a heart attack. You can have the doctor give them a call and say, hey, we should do some blood work for you, you know, and could save people's lives because of that kind of stuff. So there's room for it to be beneficial. Um, obviously the natural tendency is to use it to make money, but (laughs) there's room for it to be beneficial. (laughs) We're definitely going to come back to this topic again, because it's a big topic and there's a lot to say about it, but, uh, I do want to, uh, get to our third topic, but, uh, but that, that very interesting. And I want to hear what people have to say about this, uh, the listeners. Uh, so definitely we want to hear from you on that. So our our third segment today is, uh, another big story. Something that big that's happened this week is, uh, the Disney, company and the 20th century fox are now one disney has now officially acquired 20th century fox and this is a big deal in general because it's um this is the i think it's they said it's the largest media merger in history uh do you guys remember when at&t and uh time warner merged a few years ago and everyone was like oh my goodness this is the biggest this is even bigger um, uh, it was a was seventy one billion dollar purchase. <clears throat> what is it? What is Disney getting now? Uh, they've got everything from Aliens to The Simpsons. Um, what they don't get is um, all the fo- Fox TV stuff. So Fox News, uh, the Fox TV network, because the regulators won't let Disney own ABC and Fox TV because they're still in the twentieth century. And oh my gosh, we can't have one company owning. Two broadcast networks, never mind mm-hmm. all of the cable channels that they already own. I mean, but but that's just the way it is. Um, but the, and the wh- sports, the sports were another big. Oh, that yes. was another big breakup point that they had made sure that all the sports stayed outside of Disney's control. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Disney has ESPN, but they can't own the NFL rights that Fox has and that sort of stuff. Right. So, um, so what does this mean from a tech point of view and just from a media consumption point of view? Uh, some folks are are focusing on the idea that Hollywood has now gone from six major studios. So basically, there are lots of little studios and production houses, but almost everything funnels through six major studios, uh, Disney being the largest now. Um, and now that's five major studios. And people are saying, OK, are we going to end up with one company controlling all of our media? Uh, on the other hand. Other people point out, well, look, yes, the traditional media, traditional studios are consolidating, but that now we have places like Amazon and Netflix and pretty soon Apple and probably within a couple of days of uh, of of everyone hearing this and mm-hmm. and so on and so forth are all going to be our media production houses. So what do you think about this merger? What, what do you think this means for us and for media? It's at such a high level. Um, I mean, when uh, Disney got uh, all the Star Wars stuff, um, it kind of, it really, what it meant for us is there's going to be lots of Star Wars movies. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's the thing, kind of like we said with uh, the Facebook segment, is so much of this is, is about money. There are, there are people in, in these studios and in these jobs that are 
other artists and making things because this is what they do. Um, but on the bigger picture, just so much of it is these are companies and they're out to uh, generate revenue. So I don't know what, how that changes it for us uh, when, like you said, uh, going to one fewer gigantic company that owns tons of other little companies making making content. Uh, that won't change that much. I think the uh, the sort of interesting thing is just uh, does it leave room for the small people? Does it? And I don't mean the Netflixes and the Amazons, but uh, kind of just people coming up from outside of the system to be creative in ways that maybe they can't be within it. And uh, who knows? Uh, we've all for a long time we've lived in in this world where these gigantic or, uh, organizations are the ones who do these things, and it seems to have worked out okay. Well, if Disney would not be such a bear about the copyrights, mm-hmm. that's the I would thing. say yeah. this is fine. But they they are so horrible about the copyrights and about making sure that they maintain the copyrights and they extend the copyrights, and and not just their own copyrights, but by extension by their so just to kind of let people know, so what happens is, is copyrights are supposed to expire after a certain number of years, and it, that's for the good of society, that we should that the artist should have control of the thing they create for a period of time so that they and their family can can earn a living off of it. But for society's sake, things should enter in, out of should enter into the public domain after a certain period of time so that everyone could benefit. That thus the works of William Shakespeare are widely distributed because they're not copyrighted. But what happened was when Disney came along and started becoming more powerful, they started funneling lots of money to favored politicians who would then pass laws that would extend copyright. And it just always so happened that copyright always seemed to extend back to when Mickey Mouse was copyrighted, when right. Mickey Mouse began from that date and then onward. Uh, and it affects everything, and and this is yes. this is the thing. It's like if it just affected Disney properties, even still, that would be that would be bad something. Enough. But yeah. but it, it it affects every copyright that comes from that time. So there are novels that can't be adapted because the estate has passed right. and or printed. The copyright still exists. Yeah, mm-hmm. or, right? or even printed. Yeah, that, that no one's printing that could that someone could come along and say, "I want to print a new edition of this." Uh, you know, through uh, print on demand on Amazon or whatever, or as an ebook, that they can't, and so no one can read that book uh, because right. it's it's copyrighted, right? Um, and, and that's and that's the that's the real shame is that it's uh you know the bigger you make this company, the more things come under their umbrella, the more they're going to want to protect that uh, that copyright expansion. And and, and the sad thing, the honest honestly, the sad thing is, I, as much as I love Disney, and and my house is a Disney house. We, we <laughs> love the mouse. <laughs> You know, we live close enough that we go every couple of years, we buy an annual pass and we're out at Disney for the whole year. So I, I love it. But it worries me that, you know, they are getting to the point right now where they're like, oh, we need to re-up the copyright on a lot of these things. So we have a live action Beauty and the Beast, live action Aladdin, a live action Lion King, which is not actually live action. <laughs> uh, so but they're doing this because as long as they are recreating these things, they can go back and say, well, that we, we are reclaiming that copyright. And so the copyright's not on the 1996 Aladdin, but it's on this new one that's just a rehash of the old one. So all the same stuff still applies. You know, The you clock starts again for another right. 75 or 80 years. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so now you, so you got to go, you got to kind of look at this stuff and go, okay, well, how many more of these are we going to have that it's just going to, you know, it's going to go in waves. So, so now we can predict all of the Marvel movies because eventually Iron Man's going to come back so that they can re-up that uh, copyright and it's just going to be this <laughs> And Star cycle. Wars and right, <laughs> everything will be rebooted. Yeah. What was, well, it's, we'll, we will live in the Matrix because it will constantly reboot. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Does Disney own the Matrix now? I don't remember who owns that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <that>? man. <laughs> but, I don't know if I want to see Disney's The Matrix remake. It's <laughs> not that interesting to me. Could, couldn't be worse than the last two Matrix movies. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so Disney now has Lucasfilm, they have Marvel, they have Pixar, they have uh now now they have the Avengers, they have all the and they have they used to own thirty percent of Hulu. Now they have Fox's thirty percent, so now they own sixty percent of Hulu. And <laughs> on top of that, they're going to be starting Disney Plus. And one one thing people are talking about is, is one of the reasons why uh, Disney would have gone out to buy this is 
Disney wants to, the Disney Plus streaming service to not just be Disney animated movies and um, Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars. They want it to have lots of content. And so how do you do that? You go out and buy a company with lots of content. So you can predict that Disney Plus will have The Simpsons and will have, you know, you know all, all that stuff. Aliens and uh, Titanic and all, you know, everything will be on the Disney Plus service. And, and frankly, they're going to make it uh, so that you, you have to subscribe. I mean, what, what, what could be more compelling than you know, the new Star Wars TV series that are streaming and every Disney and Fox movie and show that's ever been out there. I mean, that is a compelling argument. They own FX and National Geographic Channel and Fox Searchlight Pictures now. And I mean, you can just go on and on and talk about what what Disney is now. It's and it was it was one of those things that I bemoaned when uh, when they bought out uh, the Star Wars franchise and missing out on that opening fanfare. Uh, And now that opening fanfare is officially dead. (laughs) It it, it is no more. And, um, and that's, that's pretty terrifying. Uh, That's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, Of course, now that they own it, maybe they could bring it back just for Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Just for that, just for that. I'll tell you my favorite bit of news about this was on NPR this morning when I was listening to it and the, uh, I I don't remember which, uh, which person it was that was speaking, but they, they hummed the, uh, the intro, the intro (laughs) fanfare. And I was like, yes, I'm so glad this is something we're talking about right now. (laughs) Maybe we could, uh, I probably shouldn't. I was going to say, I'll, I'll put that into the show. But they probably get a takedown notice no, on. No, you're right. <laughs> you, know, because of it. you don't want Disney after. I don't want Disney oh, lawyers man. after me. Those, the lawyers with the with the ears. Uh, Who knows, so maybe they'll want SPPN next. With, well, there, <laughs> there's a number. <laughs> uh, but you know, the one thing I, I really would look forward to in this is uh, they are starting to realize that the fan base generates um, generates motivation for seeing and so they're starting to realize that you know letting a letting a star wars tribute film show on youtube is a good thing Mm -hmm. uh and and so they're starting to allow that kind of stuff and so they're getting more loose with what they're claiming is intellectual property and i'm i'm hoping that as they get bigger they can let more of that stuff slide uh because they have more properties to distribute it along they have a lot more stuff that they've got in the fire already going they don't need to worry about maintaining a lot of this stuff and and they've got the you know they've got the power to be able to say no 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 we really do that we're going to own this thing now you need to take it down so that we can move on to this other this other bit and um so my my hope there is that they're they're going to move into that phase where they let more people play with the intellectual property in an open way and kind of open source some of it as they yeah. go along. Right. That's true, yeah. That that it oh, that letting fans pay homage to your to your properties only creates greater uh loyalty and passion for it. And when you when you punish them for that passion and loyalty, you're only hurting yourself. Exactly. Uh, there was a case recently where a fan had put together a really high flashy, well done um, Darth Vader, Star Wars uh, right. film, mm-hmm. and it was it had original music that evoked the memory of Star Wars music, uh, but it was still original. But some lawyer working for not for Disney directly, but for the company that licenses the music for performance, they instituted a takedown notice. Or a, well, actually, it wasn't. I have to be clear. It wasn't a takedown notice. It was a demonetization. Uh, notice, which means a YouTube video, the owner of the video cannot make money off of it, but the owner of the copyright, they can start to make money off of ads showing on that person's video. And this this guy was saying, look, I always, I knew all the time that as a, it's a Star Wars tribute film or a fan film, I, I could, I was not allowed to make money off of it. So I never intended to. It just irks that they are doing this to make money off of the back of my work. And it got some it got some notice and people were talking about it. And someone at Lucasfilm went to these lawyers at the licensee and said, cut it out. You're hurting the brand. And and they reversed it. And that's the sort of thing that you're talking about, Thomas, that that's that shows that they understand we're in a new time where we have to make allowances for the passion of fans who are creative and could get that creative work out there. 
And you would think a company like Disney that uh, has such really passionate fans for all these things now, for all these different uh, these worlds that they have and that they own, would have an understanding of that. Right. You know, talking about uh, SQPN being acquired by Disney, I will do it in exchange for uh, family passes to Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The maybe new for Disney. all of us, maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the new uh, Disney Star Wars theme park. Oh, man, I want it. My, uh, me and my kids, we'd so want to go. My wife has ro- rolls her eyes at, at the at it. She's uh, <laughs> but uh, but we're all in. we're all in. We want to go and want to be anyway. So that's uh, that's uh, today's story on uh, the Disney and Fox merger. We'll we'll be following that uh, like we do the other stories. Uh, in the future. So I want to move on to our our final segment. I want to talk about our picks of the week. Uh, Thomas, what's your pick of the, uh, for this week? Uh, my pick for this week is my uh, 3d printer of choice. Uh, I got a 3d printer for Christmas uh, this last year. It is a Creality Ender 3. Mm. Um, it is a $200 3d printer. So wow. uh, very entry level. Uh, the, it, it's intimidating in the sense that you put it together and you're like, there's no way this is going to be, uh, as easy as it is. And it really is. Uh, and if you get lost with it, there is a, an incredible, uh, group of people on YouTube that have put up videos about everything you never wanted to know about this printer. <laughs> uh, and for 200 bucks, you cannot beat, uh, the, the prints that come out of this thing. Um, with a little bit of tweaking and and all the stuff is again online you there you can find great resources for it uh you come out with some fantastic prints and the the really crazy thing is uh i have the first spool of uh of printer filament that i put in it cost 15 bucks it's still sitting on the printer and i have had this thing going almost nonstop since uh since christmas so wow uh I'm making a lot of minifigs for dungeons and dragons and uh and different things like that cool. but I they there's I'm still running on basically the same spool uh, that I started with. I was curious, like like about what kinds of things that we could make with it if we if we got the, such things like uh, so anything that could be made out of say solid plastic essentially. It, yeah, and and the the plastic is actually really durable. If you if you're interested in finding out uh, more about what kind of things you can 3D print, I recommend checking out Thingiverse. Uh, it's a website that has a lot of free to download. Uh, uh, 3D files, and a lot of them are ready to print. You just run it through one program that uh, sets it up for your printer specifically, and then you put it in your printer, and it's ready to go. Uh, and, and there's there's really really neat stuff on there. A lot of it's toys, but then there's a lot of functional stuff too that you can just you know you can print yourself up a, a toolkit that you can store tools in. You can uh, if you lose oh. a doorknob, you can print a doorknob. Yeah, uh, broken parts for things. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I'm looking kind of patient to settle. Actually, um, I bet you could build a lot of um Lego bricks if you needed them. Although I'm sure that the designs are copyrighted. But if yeah. but if you did it yourself and didn't sell it, exactly. And and you can you can make all the measurements. And if you have a, a good program, I use a Blender 3D personally. It's a free open source uh, 3D design program. Mm. And uh, you can put all of the dimensions in there just the way it is and print yourself out some nice little minifigs. Wow, that's a that's cool. Ooh, someone has a uh, an ATAT walker, an AT-AT uh, Ooh, walker that they built. And some some of them are articulated too, where you print them in pieces and then you put the pieces together, and now all of a sudden you have a moving uh, toy as wow, well, so, or a, really... a moving model. I mean, it's amazing to me that you know we're at the point now where we we talked about uh, Jurassic Park, uh, th- the third Jurassic Park movie uh, recently, where they have. They built a 3D model of the resonating chamber for Velociraptor. It was so amazing and advanced. And it's like mm-hmm. now it's like everybody can. They have one right. in the corner of their house. It was essentially a replicator. That's awesome. Right. And, and two hundred dollars. That's uh, you know that's the cost of a regular printer, pretty much. Yeah, that's an appliance. That's just that's a that's a home exactly. appliance. Wow, that's amazing. And and like I said, I think a lot of people think the filament's going to cost a lot of money, but I got a whole kilogram of it for fifteen bucks. Uh, it's good filament, and most of the stuff that I print is under under ten kilogram or under ten grams when you print it. So you can get a lot of lot of stuff out of it. Wow, that's awesome! Nice, good pick, good pick, Father Michael. What's your uh, pick of the week? Uh, this is a weird one, but it's a it's a YouTube channel that I subscribe to called Journey with Jono, uh, and I found out about it through a podcast that was too. But it's it's a guy in the UK 
and he lives all year on this thing called a narrow boat. And it's, it's a big, long boat that sails down all these canals, and it's very peaceful. It's a very relaxing channel with lots of just nice water scenes. But uh, for this podcast, uh, he goes into a lot of detail of the tech and the work that he does to live on this. So a, mm. a big part of it was just how you heat it and how you insulate it. Uh, but then he gets into a little of how he, he produces the videos and what he, how he gets the internet while he's traveling around, sometimes through the, the countryside. Um, and so it's kind of just this continual project and journey that you can observe of uh, a guy really like making a home in a very strange place, um, but really uh, making do. And, and if, especially if you're into building things, um, it's a really fascinating uh, sort of story to watch. He, he's got a dog. He's a, he's a funny guy. And, uh, and you get to see lots of beautiful scenery of the English countryside. So it's it's in the UK, yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm like looking through all the videos, and he's got ones on like solar power for the mm-hmm. boat, and uh, the 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 hardware and software he has to use to manage the systems, and uh, so it seems very much a DIY. Like he he does the stuff himself. Very uh, much so, yeah. Wow, this is pretty cool. And 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 he lives on this boat. That's awesome. Yeah, all year. Wow. That's what he calls himself a year rounder. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, good, good, good pick. I like that. Man, there's so many interesting YouTube channels. Uh, yeah. we talk talking about like <laughs> D- Disney and Fox and media consolidation. There are people out there who are so creative, and all they have is a camera and you know a computer to edit the video, and they're doing stuff that would never be shown on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, but but it's it's fascinating stuff. So that's I guess a good there pick. is room for the little guy. <laughs> yeah, as yeah, long, yeah. As long as there's a YouTube out there to show it on, uh, or something similar to that. So mine is, uh, I have a software pick this week, another uh, piece. This is, again, another piece of Mac software. I'm a Mac guy, so I'm, I'm going to share Mac software. Uh, but this one is a program I found. It, one of the biggest issues I've had with my computer is keeping the software up to date. Now, some software updates automatically. The stuff I get from the Mac App Store, stuff I get through the Set App subscription service. I've mentioned that as a previous pick. Uh, some stuff like that. And sometimes when you launch a program, it says, hey, I have an update. You want to you want to update it? but it can be annoying that when you're trying to get something done to be hit with an update a message and you just want to do your work, you don't want to have to wait for the update to, to go. So there's a piece of software called Mac Updater from corecode.io. Um, it's a for-pay program, but it, it, I found it to be well worth it. And basically what it does is it scans your computer, finds all the software on it, and then checks for updates on a daily basis. And when it finds it, it says, hey, I found these updates. Uh, we want to run the update, and for most software, it will update it for you. You just say, "Good, you know, update it, update it, update it," and it will it'll run the update. Now, some software is not compatible with it, and you need to do a manual update, but it will still walk you through the process. Here, launch the up the software, and they they're constantly adding more software that they that they can do automatic updating for. So it's a uh, it's Mac Updater, and uh, it scans once a day, opens up a window, and right now I'm looking. I see I have four programs that are uh, available to be updated, and it's been rock solid. I've tried various different systems in the past. I've I cobbled together um, an auto, um, keyboard maestro scripting uh, using uh, arcane terminal commands and all kinds of stuff like that, and it was just mm-hmm. oh, way, too, way too much and too hard to maintain. This is uh, uh, really easy to maintain, and it's, it's inexpensive. Um, it, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a one-time uh fee let me open up the website here i just double check it um and and he he has other great software too that um that are little utilities that are very yeah it's a one-time purchase so it's not a subscription and it is 10 bucks pretty great yeah Yeah. um and yeah so it's uh it's it's a it's a it's a good piece of software and it's been uh been rock solid so far so that's my uh pick in a similar vein to that one have you tried homebrew Yes, that uh, it's for Unix junkies. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I have a couple of little Unix programs that I, I I've uh, worked with or used in uh, to install via Homebrew, which is a uh, well. We could we can get into that at some point. Uh, some of that, some All of right. that stuff. But uh, the, yes, uh, I have used that. So before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Technology, which, by the way, folks, has been growing, and we really appreciate. We love 
hearing from you guys and we're 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 getting more and more listeners all the time and that's it has to be entirely due to your uh I'm, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here but this is entirely to your influence by you recommending the show to your friends and family and and writing reviews every every new listener is someone that you guys have recommended the show to and we greatly appreciate that but we also appreciate the people who are providing a financial support for us to continue to do this uh it costs us money um you know we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have people uh giving us financial support and so today i want to thank Stephen b lawrence s nicholas d richard m and Stuart j it's through their generous donations and all of our patrons at sqpn.com slash give that it makes it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows we do at sqpn and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give so that's it from us. What do you think of our discussion? We talked about uh, the teleprisons robot. We talked about Facebook and its privacy initiative. We talked about Disney Fox merger and then our picks of the week. Go to our SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash darkwestmedia, or to our website, sqpn.com slash technology, and leave us some feedback there on the show, or send us an email to technology at sqpn.com. Uh, we'll put the links that we discussed and the, to the articles we talked about in our show notes at sqpn.com. Uh, please, if you can, like each episode on uh, that we post on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Retweet it on Twitter where we're at sqpn. You can leave us comments. That All of those things help us get the show out to more people. Uh, subscribe to the show if you have not yet subscribed in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in your favorite podcast app or on YouTube where you should hit the bell to get notifications. And if you can, write a review in iTunes or one of the podcast directories. All those things really do help a lot. Until next time, Thomas Sanherho, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks for having me. Father Michael Gossett, thank you as well. Great discussion. Thank you. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Thank you.